Welcome to Finish Well Homeschooling Podcast, where changing the world starts with changing the home, with your host, Meredith Curtis. Hi, welcome to Finish Well Radio. We are so excited that you're joining us today for episode number 107, Seven Steps to Create Your Own High School Classes with Living Books. And today we are going to talk about how to create your own classes. You can create classes using a video series or textbooks or seminars or all kinds of things. But today we're going to focus on living books because that is the way that I created my classes with kind of a Charlotte Mason bent with living books and also a little bit of unit study, practical living type stuff. I love books. And if you visit my house, I'm sitting in a room right now recording this show. And there are four bookcases in here and they are all filled with books and every room in my house is like that. So you can imagine I probably have over a million books Maybe not, but it's definitely in the hundreds of thousands. I want to take you back in time. My oldest daughter now has three children of her own, but long, long ago when she was in seventh grade, I began to think about high school and I thought, wow, like we have had so much fun. We've done so much reading and we've done so much cuddling and snuggling and talking. And what will high school be like? Do I just need to have everything be formal and get textbooks and have tests and all that kind of stuff? And I decided not to do that. Instead, I thought it would be nice to have a plan that would be fun so that homeschool would still be fun and it would be excellent educationally and it would involve a lot of really, really good books. So the first thing I did was pray and I just said, Lord, I really want to educate my daughter and the rest of my children. I want to give them a really, really good high school education and I want them to read a lot of really good books. I want them to read books that have changed the world. I want them to read classic literature that has stood the test of time. And so... I asked him for wisdom, and as I finished setting aside that time of prayer, then I began to make some lists. And the list might surprise you, because what I did is I made a bunch of book lists. (laughs) First, I made one list, and I just wrote down all the books that I knew about that I really wanted my children to read, for one reason or another. For example... I wanted my children to read The Prince by Machiavelli because so much of companies, Fortune 500 companies in the boardroom, in the conference room, they're applying these Machiavellian principles that go all the way back to The Prince by Machiavelli. So I wanted them to read something like that because even though most government leaders don't see it as an effective way to run a government, some still do. And so his principles are still discussed and used today, even if people don't realize they're using his principles. I also wanted them to read Wealth of the Nations by Adam Smith because it is the book on economics and it explains everything so well about the economic cycle and about what a nation's true wealth is and 
distribution of labor and all those good things. And no one does it better than Adam Smith, although he does it quite wordily. <laughs> and then we have the Communist Manifesto. And in a day where people are openly socialists, when I was a kid, the socialists all tried to pretend they weren't socialists. But in, in our day, people are just outright, yeah, I want to take all the money and just divide it up between people. Then we really need to know what is socialism. And the Communist Manifesto by Karl Marx is, is a short book, but it contains what they believe and how they hope to accomplish their goal. And it really, once you read that book, you realize, no, I really don't want socialism in my country. I really, really don't. I want I want freedom. And so it really is an eye-opening book. Another book is Tale of Two Cities. I love that book because you see a picture of Christ in the hero and he's an unlikely hero. And I love that. I just, and I love the way it explores the French Revolution from the, the side of the English and from the side of the French. So I could go on and on because there's a lot of books that I really wanted my children to read. God Smuggler by Brother Andrew. Brother Andrew survived Nazi occupation in World War II, and then he went on to fight to try to hold on to Indonesia because he was Dutch, and then he got saved, and he ended up having a ministry behind the Iron Curtain. So not only is it a fantastic book about God's provision and how he takes care of people and how he loves those that are suffering, it's such a great book about history because you live those times in Europe through Brother Andrew. Christian Secret to a Happy Life, classic written in the 1800s, but everything you always wanted to know about joy, why you don't have it, when you do have it, and how you can have it all the time. I love that book. And so there are just so many books that are worth reading, and some are books that have changed the world, and they might not even be books that I agree with at all, but I still want my children to know what they say. Other books are just beautiful stories. Jane Austen, Charles Dickens, they just wrote beautiful stories, and I want my children to read them, to enjoy them. And so I made these book lists, and I had long, long book lists. I had practical Christian living books. I had all kinds of literature. I had living books, you know, like I mentioned, Communist Manifesto and Wealth of the Nations. After I made the book lists, I divided the books up into different categories. But before I explain how I did that... I took the time to consider what was it that I wanted to see in my children when they crossed the finish line, which in my mind, I was thinking of graduation as the finish line. Like, okay, not that I still won't be your mom, but I'm kind of done imparting into you educationally, academically, spiritually. And then it's kind of up to you to carry on and I'll still be there cheering you on, but our relationship will most likely change at that point. And so I thought about virtues and values and habits and academic skills and workforce skills and spiritual disciplines and all those things that would be important. For example, like virtues and habits and values would be things like hard work. Are my children hard workers or 
or are they lazy? Are they willing to say, hey, let me help you? Or do they just sit and watch people struggle to do something? Are they kind? Do they reach out with kindness? Are, are they sympathetic? Are they empathetic? Are they sad when someone's lost a loved one? And do they reach out to them to, to show kindness to them? And I thought about a lot of different virtues and values that I wanted to see in my children. I wanted them to be polite. I wanted them to greet people when they came into our home and to place high value on people because they're made in the image of God. And then there were academic skills. I just homeschooled in mind for college. Not everyone does that, but I really felt all my children were going to go to college, or at least I wanted them to be able to if they wanted to. So I taught them how to research, how to summarize, how to present research, how to write essays, how to analyze, how to do advanced mathematics, because if you get into advanced sciences, you have to have advanced mathematics. So my goal was to get all my children through at least pre-calculus or calculus, and four of them made it through calculus, and and the other one made it all the way through pre-calculus. So I felt really good about that at the end, but there I am. I'm just starting out. I'm thinking, okay, what, what kind of thing do I want to impart to my children? And then there are just practical work, community, and church skills. Like I wanted my children to be able to worship, to be able to pray and study the Bible and to fellowship and build up other believers and spur them on to love and good deeds. I wanted them to be able to interview well and to write a resume and to work with the team. And I wanted them to be able to have some opportunities for leadership so that they could cultivate those skills. So you're probably thinking, oh my goodness, that is a ton of stuff. Yes, but there is more. So I also wanted them to have spiritual disciplines. I wanted them to have quiet times that were not like, oh, here's my quiet time. I read the Bible. I prayed. Check it off. I really wanted them to meet with Jesus and to grow in their relationship with the Lord. I wanted them to have a ministry at church where they could be serving. I wanted them to evangelize, to share the gospel with people who didn't know Jesus. And I wanted them to be able to defend their, their faith, whether they were in the workforce or in a college classroom. I wanted them to be able to stand up and say, well, this is what the Bible says. And this is why I believe the Bible is true. And lastly, I really wanted my children to have relational wisdom. Now, that is something that I look around and see a lot of lack of relational wisdom in our culture because so many people get divorced, so many parents are estranged from their children, and I really wanted to teach my children to build wholesome friendships, to honor their parents, to date with a purpose or a court so that they're not just out there having their heart broken or breaking other people's hearts. So those are the areas that I wrote down my goals. And then I started dividing my books and my goals into different categories that became classes. So, for example, I love Larry Burkett. I think I wrote down every one of his books on my list. And so I took Larry Burkett's book. 
and the Communist Manifesto and Wealth of the Nations, and I put them all together. And then I added understanding um, economics, managing money for a business, managing money for a household, managing money personally, and then how to start a business. So I clumped all those things together in a list. And I didn't know, will this be one class or two? But I knew that was kind of all in a category. And then I took some other things, like I noticed that I had tons of British literature. So I had thought I would do an American literature class and then do just a general Western literature class. But then when I saw how many books I had that were British, I decided to do a Western literature class, a British literature class, and an American literature class. And then I thought about like the different writing skills I wanted to teach. And so I decided, okay, well, maybe what I'll do is I'll put writing essays and poetry with the British literature, because there we've got Charles Lamb, we've got C.S. Lewis, we've got J.R.R. Tolkien, got Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan and all these things. And so we could have kind of some fun. They could write essays and they could also do some poetry and some creative writing. And then when I was looking at American literature, I thought, wow, American history and American literature, that would be make a really good research paper. So I'll teach research skills with all this American literature. So I just started dividing stuff up that I wanted to teach my children in that. Then when I was thinking about the Bible, one of the goals I had was that my children would read through the entire Old Testament and the entire New Testament. And as I thought about it, I thought, you know, I would like them to read it in chronological order, the way it, it actually was written and the way it actually happened. So that would mean that some books, like my children read Genesis and then Job, because Job happened before the Exodus. And so then they went from there to Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, et cetera, et cetera. So I realized when I wrote everything out that there was no way they could read the Old Testament in one year and still do other classes and do well and like remember what they learned. So I made Old Testament a two-year class and I made New Testament a one-year class. And so the same thing, I just had them read things chronologically. Then I thought, now I have literature classes and writing classes. I have Bible classes. I've got math classes. I just chose to use Saxon math, except they they mix in their geometry with math. So I thought, instead of doing that, I think what I'll do is I'll do a whole year of geometry. That caused me to look at Matthew C. So I did Saxon for algebra and algebra 2 and pre-calculus, and then I did Matthew C for geometry. So anyway, that was kind of how I worked that out. And then the sciences, I honestly did sciences different ways for each child. And sometimes, a lot of times I did sciences in co-ops because I just knew of some mamas that were just incredibly gifted in making science easy to understand. And then, of course, my friend Laura is really good at that, too. So she helped me a lot with that. I helped her kids a lot with history and literature. So I'm still moving forward. I've still got all these really good books. And then, of course, there's historical fiction and there's biography and 
original documents. And so I divided those up in different history classes and then, of course, a government class and then the economics class that I mentioned before. So as I looked at all that stuff, I realized I still had a lot of books left that were on marriage and friendship and homemaking and leadership for guys and things like that. So then I thought, you know, I think I'll create some classes for Kate was a girl. So I'd create some God's Girls classes for her. And then later on down the road, I would create some real men classes classes for my son. And so that's what I did. So I created a homemaking class for her and a motherhood class for her and a godly womanhood class for her and a friendship and hospitality and celebrations class for her. And of course, for all the other daughters too. And there were living books that they read and there were practical assignments that they did. Like when they studied motherhood, there would be a mother's helper once a week. And so we just did a lot of really cool things. At least I had all that stuff written down and by the time I finished with all these lists as you can imagine I was just sitting at a table and there were originally just like covered with blank pieces of paper but by the end everything was divided up and of course things were crossed out and books were put in one place and then I moved them to another so I mean it was just a big messy brainstorming session but when I was done I had this clear idea of the different classes that I wanted to teach. And of course, I didn't even go into music or art or things like that. And a lot of electives were different for each child. And each of these classes took a little bit of a different slant with each child. But I had the bare bones. I had the structure. And I was super, super excited. So what I'm going to do next when we get back from listening to our sponsor I'm going to talk about creating assignments and then laying it out so that it was easy for the children to follow and they could keep their own records. So that's what we'll do as soon as we come back from this word from our sponsor. Powerline Productions wants to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus as you homeschool your children. Because of this, we offer a wide variety of books and ebooks about homeschooling as well as homeschool classes like Economics, Finances, and Business. Meredith Curtis designed this class for high school seniors and adults. It takes an intense look at macroeconomics from a biblical, free market perspective and challenges students to apply biblical principles to all aspects of economics and business. Learn more at PowerlineProd.com. That's P-O-W-E-R-L-I-N-E-P-R-O-D.com. Powerline Productions. Being world changers, raising world changers. You've been listening to Finish Well Homeschooling Podcast on the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network. Now back to your host, Meredith Curtis.
Welcome back. We have been talking about seven steps to creating your own high school classes using living books. And of course, I'm sharing that with you because that's what I did. And so, so many people ask me how I did it. And I'm just sharing with you the steps that I took. The first step is that I prayed. I asked the Lord for a plan. I asked the Lord for wisdom. The next thing I did, because of course, I wanted to use living books, is I made lists and lists of books. And then I thought about number three is I thought about what my children would look like at graduation or in my mind when they cross the finish line. And then number four, I began dividing up the books in a practical way along with those life skills and those those um, character and virtues that I wanted to see in their life. So now I have all these little classes they're all kind of divided up and they're just sitting there and now I've got to be practical so I've got the books for them to read I've got the areas that I want them to learn about now how can I be practical and come up with some assignments so some of it was really easy like in of course in an English class they have writing assignments so in some classes they have essays in some classes they had poetry and fiction writing in some classes they They had research skills like summarizing and writing a process and a paraphrase and things like that. But in others, it was a little more. So the English classes were pretty easy. But then I I thought it would be nice to put some writing assignments, not just in English, but in other subjects. So not every month they have to write in history, but occasionally they would maybe write an article or they would maybe write an essay. My kids write two essays in economics and even give an economic speech. And so as I'm fleshing out these classes for my children, I realized writing assignments were super good. For example, in the motherhood class, my daughters would have to interview seven stay-at-home moms and then write down what they said and then use quotes. And using quotes, they would come to a conclusion and write an article that they would be able to share with maybe women who are pregnant and were thinking about staying home. So that's super practical. So they they weren't just writing this random assignment, but they were thinking, okay, women that are pregnant, I'm going to write an article for them, but first I'm going to interview all these moms who stay home, and I'm going to figure out what is their mindset, what do they do, what's their life like, and then I'm going to write an article for these moms that are pregnant to maybe envision them to stay home or maybe to say, don't stay home, it's horrible, which none of them ever wrote an article like that. Then I also wanted to come up with some other things that were practical. In the Godly Manhood course, they read books and talk about them and do things like that. But I also wanted them to get some practical skills so that one day my son would be able to change the oil in his car and he would be able to check the circuit breaker and he would be able to maybe fix a dryer band that went bad or he would be able to fix a clogged drain. He would be able to fix a backed up toilet. He'd be able to change spark plugs. So all of those things I began to add into the godly manhood class. Now in economics, one of the things I wanted to do was teach my children how expensive it is to live on their own. But I didn't want to just say, oh guys, it's so expensive to live on your own. So I created an assignment that would teach them that. And it's called the uh, apartment project. And in the apartment project, what happened 
happens is that the children or the teenagers, they pick up an apartment where they want to live. Then they have to furnish it, complete everything from couches to silverware to toilet paper in the bathroom to trash cans. They have to completely furnish it. They have to pay the rent, the water, and the electricity. And so they have to come up with all these figures. They have to do a truckload of research. And then they have to figure out how much money they would need to make to not only, of course, pay for their apartment and their bills related to their apartment, but to pay their tithe, to have money for entertainment and things like that. So it's a really eye-opening experience. And I had so many people say to me, I think I'm going to live home and just save up money to buy my own house. And I said, that is wise. It is super expensive to live on your own. But, I mean, sometimes you have to. And if they have to, they're ready. Another thing that we learned early on, now I didn't start when I started creating these classes, but I sort of learned it on the way to teaching all my five children in high school, and that's to do book clubs. And I found that we had so much more fun doing a book club than writing a book report. And what we would do is we would focus on a particular element of literature, like maybe plot or setting or characterization. And that would literally be the theme of the book club. But it was so much more fun to be able to learn about a book by talking about it. And my kids really enjoyed that. And I also found that we went much deeper in our analysis of the books and our, our enjoyment of the books by talking about it. So that was step five, and now we're moving to step six. Lay it out for a quick read and easy checkoff. So what I did is then I took each class, and of course I didn't do this all in one summer. I did it like for each summer. I would do the classes that were ahead, but I would take those classes and I would lay everything out over a year. So... That I did not do with my first daughter. With my first daughter, I just basically wrote down all the assignments, and she could do them whenever she wanted and check them off. But my other daughters were not as studious, and I realized I had to divide the work in months. So in September, you'll read these books. You'll do these writing assignments. For history class, you'll listen to these audios, and then you'll maybe write an essay in September, in October. Maybe you'll create a radio drama. But I laid out all their classes so that they had these checkoff lists where they could just go, and when they finished an assignment, they could just check it off. But I also created something in the, in the beginning, like a mini syllabus, where I first would list the books that they would have to read. Then I would list the assignments they would have to do. And then I would list the grade. Now, I did not allow my children to get lower than a B. My thought was, you're homeschooled. You should be doing A, A, B work. There's no reason you should get a C or a D. So I know that sounds harsh, but I just never gave my children credit unless they did A, B a or B work. In each class, I would say what the grade would be required. Like for math, it was super easy. So I just say half of the grade will come by completing all the work and correcting the problems that you make a mistake on. And then the other half of your grade will be 
your scores on the test. So that was super easy. But then something like writing, that would be more difficult. So I wish I had known when I was teaching kids in high school, like now when I teach at co-op classes, I use rubrics and they're so, so easy. And I think I'll do a whole show about how to use them because they really make grading English papers so much easier. But I would just write things down under the grading, like words like creativity and excellence and things like that. And of course, that was subjective. So with a rubric, it's a little easier to be really precise. But that's basically what I did. One class was to get an A. It was a great books class. They just had to read a certain number of books and discuss each one with me. So they could choose between an A or B. If I'm going to get a B, I'll only read this many books. So that is what we did. And then I went ahead and I put them in cute little folders. So you know those really cheap folders you buy at Walmart that are in different colors and they have the three prongs in the middle and they have two pockets? I used those and I would put, say, all the science would go in green, all the math might go in red, maybe all the history would go in blue. So it was really easy for me. I put the name of the course on the front of the folder. I would put the paperwork on the course in the three prongs and so they would just check off everything and then they would put any work they completed in the sides. Now with math that would really fill up so once I finished checking it and they took the test then I would tuck it away in another folder but for everything else it had held all the assignments and so I would just pick up their folders and I would be able to know if they were number one if they were caught up or behind and then I would be able to grade whatever needed to be graded inside their folders and then of of course, those folders became our record keeping because that ended up being very precise of what they had finished. So that was really easy to transfer all that to the transcripts. So that worked so well for us. And I have had so many people over the years do the exact same thing. And it's just a really easy method. Now, the beginning method is hard, you know, as making lists of all those books and things like that. But you don't have to create a class that way. You can do it other ways. But the folder method just works great for everyone. And so I hope that this will challenge you to think about living books when you're creating high school classes and when you're thinking about teaching high school. And I want to encourage you also to sign up for our newsletter, Homeschool Joy at Powerline Productions. And if you sign up and you can see in the show notes, remember this is Finish Well Podcast Show 107. And so you can see a place under the show notes where it says sign up for our newsletter and you can sign up. You get a copy of 100 Homeschool Hacks. And there's also a bunch of examples of classes that I have created. There's real men classes and God's girls classes and history classes and literature classes and economics classes. And so you can go and you can just tap on one of the books and it will take you right to that page on my website, which is powerlineprod.com. You can just learn more about the course and it can maybe jumpstart some of your ideas or maybe you want to use our courses because a lot of people do use our courses. They're really easy to use. They're focused on living books and they're really fun. They're a blessing and educationally excellent. So I do want to encourage you check out our website, powerlineprod.com. 
and check us out on Facebook. You can find us at Powerline Productions Publishing on Facebook and join our group. And we would really love to meet you. And we would love to help you in any way we can. We're here to serve you. We're here to be a blessing to you. And we love meeting you. We love seeing your faces on Facebook. We love hearing from you in the comments below. So have a wonderful, blessed week. And we will see you again soon. Thank you for listening to Finish Well Homeschooling Podcast with Meredith Curtis and the Finish Well team. Please listen in every first and third Monday of each month at 7 p.m. Eastern Time here at the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network. 